You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Hey. Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Hey, and Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Well, on the show today, the World of Outlaws Butt Kicker Late Model Series gets underway. The Off-Road Championship is heating up as the series nears its finale, and we will dive deep into grass dipping. An iRacing exploit that has shaken up the coveted Spa 24-hour special event. And remember, everyone, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting Show Notes. So let's see you there. SimCoaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction means they feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of the car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. Okay, topics, freedom to design is the first one, and I'm going to take it. Um, we got an article here, and we talked a lot about this last week with the Chicago street race uh, being announced. And so we have a follow-up article from racer.com, um, basically, you know, describing uh, the creative process of how this track came about. and. Uh, the title is iRacing was given the freedom to design the Chicago street course. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Looks like in the winter of 2020, they went in the middle of the night uh, to downtown Chicago, Grant Park, and just started scanning the streets. But once they had the scan, that, uh, which was uh, several streets in the downtown area around Grant Park, which is kind of what the city and NASCAR had picked, a general area. But from there, they were able to be creative, right? Yeah, it looks like when they previously worked with um, Auto Club and the Coliseum, this was pretty much their third project, basically being able to create and design a, a track before NASCAR could. Yeah, this is almost like NASCAR creating its own fantasy track in real life, you know? They, they uh, scanned just a general area, and NASCAR gave them some, uh, you know, just some basic uh, options, you know, some basic um instructions i guess and then iRacing was able to do what they wanted with the rest and you know that's that's pretty pretty interesting um a lot of the other stories where where we've heard um changes made to tracks and stuff that iRacing has uh, done for nascar in order to uh, test out stuff it's kind of going the other way where um where um, NASCAR says, hey, we want to put a chicane here. Can you design it and tell us uh, how it works? You know, it's NASCAR telling, telling iRacing what they want. 
and this time it was kind of the opposite where NASCAR gave them some just general guidelines and, and, uh, and then, um, I racing did the rest and gave them what they, what they designed. Yeah. I'm going to read a quote from the article here. It says one key issue was the roughness of the streets and iRacing provided NASCAR with three pages of notes on the track and recommendations on changes. Among these recommendations was a total repave of the track due to the roughness in areas. So, you know, they were, they were able to determine, hey, there's too many potholes, it's too rough, there's too many bumps to even have a race. You definitely need to pave it. So they were able to figure this out before it became a problem, which is cool. So do you think they paved the entire circuit then? I bet they do. Probably won't be too much for them to do. Uh, the money they're probably going to make from this event. Yes, it's almost like you know when a when a big business opens up and uh, and the county or says county goes to the business says hey, if you're going to be building this here we need to fix some roads, uh, fix some potholes, a general area if you want to put your building here and you know the building the the company has no no option but to do it if they want to build. Yeah, we see that all over where where I currently live. So warehouses get built, new roads get put in. So. You know, if you're NASCAR, I mean, you're using iRacing as a due diligence. I mean, it would be, you know, probably expensive and and irresponsible not to at this point. Like if you're going into a new city to run a street race. So let's say this is a success. Let's say they decide to do it somewhere else, you know. Um, what would be the lead up to that? I mean, they would they automatically go to iRacing and, and have iRacing go scan it and figure out, okay, this should be the best layout. You're going to have a problem here or there and, and get that those answers before you get to that weekend. You know, when you get to that weekend of the actual race, it's too late to react to some of these problems. Yeah, I think that's the obvious choice going forward is utilizing this type of service. Uh, they're one for one so far in the real world with the Coliseum and uh, behind the scenes so far with Auto Club, and it looks like Chicago as well. So going forward, uh, the iRacing service has got to be used, I feel, to, to build these tracks, and the, these, uh, these one-off tracks, these pop-up tracks, and maybe even permanent tracks down the road. It seems like uh, NASCAR is definitely on board with it. But uh, I wonder, you know, I know Steve Myers wants to get in with other sanctioning bodies who, act, who you know, do these kind of things and expand out. So let's jump to the SPA 24. We probably got a dozen different uh, entries here. So Donnie, you get the first one. Yeah, so this past weekend was the SPA 24 hours, the iRacing SPA 24 hour weekend. And Coenda Esports um, took the top split win. So not a frequent road racer myself. I was not aware of this until I started seeing the postings of it uh, Saturday morning. Uh, were you guys aware of this issue previously? What was neat about this uh, Instagram video they put together, it, it, this was actually before the race, but it shows the Coanda boys taking a spa day, like literally at a spa. He's got the cucumber slices on his eyes, you know, wet towel on his head, and, and then they go into the sauna and, you know, typical spa stuff. So, uh, I guess that's how you, uh, that's the new way to practice. I think it's a little ironic that they're laid up on, uh, lawn chairs in the grass. In the grass. Right. We've seen, uh, Coanda put out some other pretty fun videos, uh, 
you know, they've, they've done tours of their, of their shop and all kinds of stuff before. Um, it's good to see them guys a little bit more active lately because when, when they pulled out of, uh, the Porsche series, um, it seemed like, uh, they were, they were a little quiet lately. So Brian, you got the next part. It was, it wasn't even a few hours into the race and we started hearing, uh, stuff about grass. So what's going on? All right. So uh, grass dipping is, uh, calling it an exploit, maybe a hack. It depends how you look at it. But basically what it is, is, um, these guys are, were running their cars either at two tires or sometimes even four tires in the grass at spa um, rather than on the track surface and the reason they did that when when they're running through the grass they don't lose any time um, there's no no speed penalty for running in the grass but at the same time their tires are staying cooler and they're able to corner better once they get back on the track so um, they um, they were they were with this with this hack that they've that they've discovered and it wasn't just them it was a lot of the top teams um they were shaving half a second off of their lap times so it was making a a, you know pretty significant difference when you're that at that level a half a second a lap is is a huge huge gain so um so yeah so that's what they were doing that's uh the qualifying uh was done like that and uh it, it the top qualifier in the whole series uh well, was was running laps like full bore in the grass. They had we have a video of it posted, and and there's just all four tires in the grass. And it's first of all, it's not realistic. Um, obviously, you can't keep up the same speed in the grass as you could on the track surface. Second of all, um, you know it's it's not in the spirit of the event, uh, and it's and uh, you know there's some rules and other things that we can go forth here go through here that um that uh you're gonna see that you know are definitely uh borderline at best uh with what they were doing here as far as being legal um one of the things that was interesting is that they were not getting tons of off-track incidents for doing this so probably what they did was they probably scoped out the track and found out what these track limits were so they so they wouldn't be piling up all these uh incident points for uh off tracks so it wasn't just the top teams either it was most of the cars okay so they the top split was broadcast and so it was easy to see who was doing it and who wasn't you know like there's a screenshot we hear we have here on a twitter of the top split and down it's a picture down the long straight and you can see 10 or 12 cars dipping into the grass out of 15 so once one team started doing it the other teams realized you know they were had a, they had the speed advantage and so then they started doing it and so then it kind of snowballed into a lot of people were doing it and um you know, then there were the people that decided not to, you know, you can see them pulled off onto the actual racing surface. And in fact, one team called Urano Esports, uh, they put up this tweet that says, we retired our cars from the iRacing Spa 24 hours. And we didn't want to make use of an exploit in the sim that makes you five tenths a lap faster. We really had high hopes for the race and feel bad that one of the highlights in 2022 will end like this. 
Yeah, so I understand just by looking at their tweet here, their photo of the, the top split, looking at the leader on back. Now, I get that this wouldn't be exceeding track limits, uh, but I do get that they're exploiting some some issue within the the iRacing code. But um, but the, the pole lap was kind of odd because he was four tires over the white line in the lap or uh, during the lap. How did that not qualify for any incident points, any off-tracks? Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean he's driving in sand at some points. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Like, like I was saying, I, you know, if they they found out that there weren't, um, you weren't getting incident points for it, it was something they were fishing for. They were trying to find out where you would get incident points and where you wouldn't. Be my guess, and and exploit it as much as they could, with and and still get away with having the incident points on your qualifying laps. So. I want to go back a couple, I don't know how long it was, two or three years. Brian, you might know, but uh, there was a saw 24-hour controversy over uh, off-tracks, over 1X, getting too many 1Xs. Like, there was an incident limit, and there was a lot of controversy over, uh, we're going to hit the incident limit too much, and it needs to be raised because the 1Xs are too strict, and then they modified them. Do you guys think that, you know, that's what led to this, where they've opened up uh, the grass and the surrounding area around the track where you can't really get a 1X if you go off uh, two tires or even some cases four? If that's the case, then they obviously went way too far um, with the track limits. Um, I, don't under, I don't understand the problem with track limits, it's, especially in a sim, you can define it very specifically. Unlike in, in, in real world, we're not there yet with technology. But um, you set you set track limits and you abide by them, or you 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 obtain a penalty. Seems pretty straightforward. But but to answer your question, it I mean it, these track limits are really bad. So I can understand. You know, I don't want a one X if I just touch the grass. Okay, but why can't they program it where? If I touch the grass and I stay on the grass for a period of time, let's say a half second or more, then I get a 1X or something like that. I mean, there's got to be a way to tweak this to make it right. And I bet you money, you know, based on what's happened this weekend, that iRacing's definitely looking at making changes to this. Now, could there be a new grass model coming to where it actually slow you down when you drop a tire into the dirt? I mean, it, I would imagine it would do that in real life. We've talked about a grass model, but not the physics behind it, right? Yeah, and maybe they should. Um, but but you're right, Donnie. If if there's a speed penalty for getting into the grass, if you're sl getting slowed up because of it, they're not going to do it even if it does cool their tires and if there's no incident points. So to me, that seems like the easiest way to uh, fix this problem because, you know, you're right. You don't want to. You don't want to be where you know you just barely get into the grass if you're avoiding somebody or or something like that. You don't want to be getting piling up incident points, and that's what you were talking about earlier, Mike, where people were complaining. You know, you, you get a little too wide on a corner accident, you clip the grass. You don't want to be getting the ex, uh, incident points for that. That's a little too much. But um, you know, but that's definitely a fine line between that and what was going on here, where it was purposely done to gain an advantage. Um, and if iRacing can't find a way to correct that with, with um, track limits, then they they're almost have to correct it by having a, a, a slowing you down by being in the grass. I, just, I don't see any other way to get around it. 
So, so as a racer, and we follow the sporting code on iRacing, how, and obviously you know what it is, and you know what you're doing is wrong, how much do you guys think is the individual's fault as compared to iRacing's fault for allowing allowing this kind of, seems like a coding error? Well, I think we need to talk about the penalty phase of this. The after, So what happened afterwards was, people on Twitter and, and YouTube and everywhere talking about it. Uh, is this cool? Is it not cool? What's iRacing going to do? What should they do? I mean, there's a lot of discussion. Uh, Jimmy Broadbent uh, was on Twitter and said, uh, genuinely curious as to whether iRacing is going to take any real action against the top teams using the grass exploit. The evidence is plain to see. It's against the terms of service, and it's borderline cheating. Seems like a slam dunk. Yeah, I'm curious. As we record right now, have we heard of any penalties yet? We have. There's people that have posted up screenshots of their one week off the service penalty, um, and, but they can still practice, but they can't race. Um, one week. Now, and then this is really the discussion that happened was, so these top teams, let's say you're Coanda, and you're like, well, we're going for the win here. We're going to do it. What is the trade-off? Well, I get to take a week off. Well, you know what? We don't have another special event for three weeks or four weeks or whatever it is. So it won't hurt me to have a week off. I wasn't going to race anyway. You know, and, and so they're, they do it knowing they're going to get penalized. And they know they're going to get a week off. They know uh, full well what's going to happen, and they decide it's worth it because it's a special event. So the penalty should be different, uh, you know, I in this kind of scenario. Like maybe uh, a special penalty, like you can't run any more special events for the rest of the year or something like that. Yeah, because and, and what it boils down to is not not that they were doing it and they knew that they were doing it. It's the black eye that the, the whole iRacing uh, service has you know, has gotten from this. This is a lot bigger than just um, just individual drivers who decided to, uh, you know, to knowingly uh, break the rules um, because it isn't a rule that there is a rule stating basically, you know, you have to stay within the track on the track surface, something to that effect. It's 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 a legitimate rule in the rule code, code of conduct. So, um but but it makes eye racing look bad, and that's why I think it um, deserves a bigger penalty for from from eye racing. You know, they're they're the one who who are getting the black eye. The drivers look like, are just saying, hey, we we you know we know there might be a penalty involved in it, but it's not that big a deal to us. We don't care. And eye racing's the one who gets the real black eye from it. Yeah, a bigger penalty for sure. When I was reading all these Saturday and throughout Sunday, I was, I was actually pretty embarrassed for iRacing. And and usually in, in my my experience, when, when you're embarrassed or your employer is embarrassed, some hammers usually drop. Okay, so yeah. another nuance I want to go over was some people are like, why doesn't iRacing, you know, steward this as the race is happening? In other words, a live steward goes into the race, he spot checks what's going on, he handles it. You know, he hands out he hands out EOLs or whatever, you know, end of line or, or maybe not end of line, but a stop and go penalty or whatever you decide to do. Or maybe you yank the car out of the room. 
you know, you, you disqualify them. But that's what a lot of people in the, in the forums and social media were saying is like, you know, surely iRacing can, you know, one staff member can go and, and maybe they don't need to look at all the splits. Maybe they need to look at the top split and maybe the top couple splits because they're so visible. Um, and, and maybe just do a spot check on the stewarding because like you said, these penalties aren't working. Uh, so let's try something different. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'm sure their payroll could afford one, one person, at least for top split, but even a second or third person to just monitor in and out of the other splits as well. But I think for top split with, with um, the prestige that goes along with it deserves a, uh, an official overseeing the event it is an official race. The Coke series now, on the other hand is they're a hosted session, right? For the most part. Yeah, so they, they yeah, it's they, a hosted. Yeah, so this is a little different with the official series, and it's probably all automatic. But um, yeah, no, definitely need a top top split should have a an official there monitoring the race. You know, then other people are like, let's get a volunteer group together that is interested in what you know doing stewarding. But then people are like, oh, you'll have favoritism and whatnot if it's not staff doing it. But but maybe you have volunteers work as spotters to watch, and if they see something nefarious, they have a way to communicate to the the main steward or something, and and then the, he can personally check on what's going on. But I agree, they they really should do some basic stewarding while the event's happening. Um, now, it was clear that iRacing knew there was a problem. Uh, shortly into the race because Greg West did post into the forums that they were aware of it, uh, et cetera. Um, but they chose to, to not dish out to do anything at that time. They didn't interrupt the race. They didn't do anything about it. They didn't say anything. They didn't have a, 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 a steward go into the room or anything. And so what happened is if anyone got protested after the fact, uh, or they protested each other, whatever, uh, they got the weak ban. I'm curious if there's a way to find out, and the teams will know for sure what the highest place, uh, highest finisher was that did not use the exploit. Um, what the protest level will be, and how many uh, people will fall off, and will that like seventh place team take take the win? No, they don't change results ever. They never change results. So, so that's the other thing is the results stand regardless of the if you were banned for a week or not so there was a couple other prominent youtubers um who put out video uh based on this um one of our favorites dave cam he uh he had a video and he, in his video he he did um lap comparisons uh with the grass dipping and without and um you know it did make a difference dan suzuki another uh youtuber who um who uh, talked about this and uh, did a demonstration of it as well. Um, so it was, it definitely went around the, um, you know, the iRacing community and, uh, and, and everyone is, uh, everyone was for the most part was really like, um, why are they not doing something about this? And I'm, I'm assuming they meant more than bigger than just the one week off, you know, the, the, uh, the, um, in race steward was uh, was something that was brought up by a couple of those guys. You know, it makes sense. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to steward a 24 hour race all by myself. Um, you might want to split that up between a few guys if, if possible. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, 
the thing the thing is, and the reason why I don't I don't like that iRacing is getting this black eyes because you know we we tout iRacing and we and we love it because it's as close to the real thing as you can get from a you know at least from a commercial side you know and when something like this comes up that makes it look silly and makes it look like a video game, you know, that hurts the credibility of the service. It, it, it's, it's less that we can brag about as, you know, as fanboys to our, to our buddies, how, how realistic it is. You know, if, if they get wind of it, it's like, Oh, you guys are riding on the grass. You know, how, how realistic is that? It, 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 it just knocks, it knocks racing stature down as a, as a legit simulator and i think that's the biggest thing that that um that the biggest black eye i racing is getting from this and and it's why that you know the penalty seems so so um out of out of context for for what's happening yeah i have, I have confidence going forward we're not going to see something like this again and if we do then shame on them but uh, I would think we're going to have some scouts going around to all the other tracks and seeing where they can find some exploits and possibly getting rid of those. But after this weekend, they can't have this happen again. All right. So next that happened is we got an official apology uh, from the CEO of iRacing, Tony Gardner. Um, he posted up in the forums, and I'm going to read – uh, this is not too long. It says, quote, good day. We just wanted to send a quick message about the 2022 iRacing Spa 24-hour race this weekend. We obviously know about the tire dipping exploit that was used by some drivers to purposely manipulate tire temperatures to increase lap times. This is not something that is typically done in the real world for a number of reasons, and nor should you be able to do it on iRacing. No excuses. We have a number of good ideas to take this exploit completely out of the simulation so it is no longer of concern. We have made it a top priority. We should be able to come up with a fix fairly quickly. I want to apologize to the drivers and teams who put a lot of time in and raced according to the rules of good sportsmanship. We are reviewing the race footage and we will be contacting the drivers who did not. That said, the responsibility is with us to make sure exploits like this are not possible. Our apologies. Again, it is the top priority to fix this as soon as possible. Well, there you go. That makes that makes sense. Good statement. I mean, what else can they do? I mean, they got to fix it. They take a now. I initially thought that they had to be protested by somebody, um, by some driver or whatever, to get. A, a penalized, but according to that, what I just read, it sounds like they're reviewing race footage and looking for themselves and and penalizing people that did it. Yeah, the the protest system probably works the way it does is because if if I'm driving on a Tuesday night at midnight, I could send the video in, nobody's watching. But since this was um, highly uh, televised and and known, they they have enough video footage to go around and and look for themselves. I I, I would assume. You wonder if they have a way to have a replay with their system, though. Like, it saves them a replay of certain events if they mark them or something. You know, an actual replay that you could open in Sim. I would, I would think it's possible. Okay, so I'm kind of glad that I didn't participate in this race because of this. I mean, I would have. Per I mean, I'm trying to think think of how I would feel if I had spent you know, three hours in this event, 
driving. Um, I don't think I would be happy. I, you know, I, I would be annoyed and frustrated. Uh, I, and then I tried to just, would I go in the grass? You know, if I was in this race and I saw people doing it and they were faster, would I do it? I don't think I would. Now it's easy for me to say that after the fact, you know, and until you're in those shoes, you, you know, would you do it or would you not? And so it was an interesting social dynamic during the race that, you know, some people obviously were doing it, other people saw it and then they started doing it. So what is that decision-making at the moment, you know, about, is this what we should be doing or what? Yeah, you know, I had the same thoughts when I was seeing all this stuff come out. I had no idea this existed. So if I was in this race, uh, I'd probably be in the, in the back anyway of this photo. Um, and I see the guys up front using the grass. I'd be like, what's going on? That looks weird. And then I'll try it. I'm assuming I'm wrecking. As soon as I dump a tire off the track in the dirt, I'm wrecking. So, um, yeah, I would have no idea what's going on until I'd hop off and I'd learned. To answer your moral question, I mean... You always want to do the right thing, even even when no one's looking. But it's hard to say until you're actually put in that situation. But hopefully, we make we make the good decisions, the right decisions. Well, if you're in this race and you didn't plan on doing this grass tapping, ta uh, dipping technique, and you you start seeing people in front of you doing it, it might not even occur to you that it's against the. Uh, the code, you know, it might not even be something you think about. Now, the guys who have pro who probably been practicing this for weeks in advance of this race, you know, they probably did, you know, they probably did a little bit more research because they had time to think about it. Well, is this a is this something we'll get in trouble for? Yada yada yada, and um, and and um, so those guys who who probably designed this thing, they probably knew it was wrong. But if you're in the middle of a race and you see everybody's doing it and they're going faster, you don't have time to look up the sporting code to see if this is illegal or not, if you don't know off the top of your head. So, you know, you might, you might've done it and not, not even realized it was a, it was a against the code. Very true. Yeah. Well, they might get a surprise email from iRacing. <laughs> They'll find out if, <laughs> Well, let's jump to stats. Uh, Rob Crouch uh, put up some great stats about the race. 7,107 unique drivers. And one neat stat was the balance of power, which was a huge discussion leading up to the race of which car is faster and so forth. And sure enough, the Mercedes, with an average lap of 215.9, while the BMW M4 second with an average lap at 216.4. That's a half second, folks, per lap. One car faster than the next out of the top two. And then they, the rest of the cars are slower um, behind that even. I've always had a weird thing about BOP and why it even exists. Shouldn't a manufacturer be able to bring their best car possible to an event? I think BOP's only been around 20 years or so, but... Yeah, it's very confusing for the most part, what we're going to neuter and not neuter. Well, I mean, if you look at this graph and you look at the Ford at the bottom, the Ford average lap was 220.5. Is that okay. the oldest one? I, I think it might be, but man, to be off six seconds, I mean, or no, five seconds, holy cow. I mean, that's it's not even close to balancing power, I guess is my point. Yeah, so I'd look at that and I'd be, I'm buying the Mercedes. Right. Even though I'm a Ford yeah. guy, I'm buying that Mercedes. 
any other stats you guys saw in the, there you like to what about the grand shalom did anybody get that let me look yeah it looks like there was one uh stone cold racing they wow. ran the looks like the mercedes gt3 congratulations to them pole position won the race fastest lap and led every lap that's the grand shalom all right enough of this spa business uh brian how about the world of outlaws late model series returns yeah so uh monday night was the uh, official return of the world of outlaws late model series um with a new sponsor this year it's a uh, butt kicker is the the sponsor this season um last year it was uh, morton's builders um so uh they are doing a 10 round series again, $25,000 in total prizes with 10,000 going to the uh, series champion. Um, and uh, 300 for each race winner, 200 for second, 100 for third for each of the races. Uh, Monday night was the first night at Fairbury Speedway. Um, so uh, they broadcasted it live on their channel. I got my update on my uh, notifications and uh, checked it out. They also do all the, you can also rewatch it on their iRacing YouTube channel. So um, yeah, a lot of the big heavy hitters were back this year. Um, and uh, none bigger on dirt than Hayden Cardwell, and and uh, he wound up taking the win in the first week uh, at uh, Fairbury. Uh, second place went to Evan C. and Blake Majulis uh, took third place. Uh, um, some of the standouts in the series uh, previously, like um, Alex Bergeron and um, and um, some others, uh, they didn't even make the finals. Alex did not even make the uh, the main feature. Um, so that was kind of a, a letdown for, for Alex. Now he's running at the same time. He's running the, the uh, off-road championship series at the same time. So maybe he just doesn't have as much time to, to practice in both series as to, uh, to, be, uh, to be right there. But it was a really good finish. Um, it was a, uh, there was a late caution. Evan C. was leading pretty much the entire race with, uh, with uh, Hayden Carwell in second second behind him there was a late caution and they restarted with uh i think it was three laps to go and uh him and uh hayden carwell were pretty much just sliding each other every turn until they got to the final um uh, evan c kind of hit the wall on the exit of turn four um and uh, that slowed him up just enough that he could not uh complete the crossover pass to take the win so uh week one goes to hayden and uh, congratulations to him next week uh we'll be headed to uh cedar lake for round two yeah, yeah i saw great. that final reached oh sorry donnie i saw that final restart uh brian it was crazy the way they were swapping the lead i mean um it was a you know classic late model race where you dive to the bottom and you slide up in front of the guy and, that, and the other guy just dives to the bottom again. And so like every corner they were swapping it and the guy in third was just trying to, you know, which way do I go? Which way do I go? And trying to get in there. It was, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Great, great race. Um, good opening week and beating them by a front clip makes it exciting. And uh, piggyback on what you were saying, Mike, uh, I find this the hardest form of racing personally, um, especially the slide jobs. Like I have no confidence whatsoever to go in there, dive bomb, and slide in front of somebody. Uh, so it's always great to see. I think without, uh, since I can't do it that well, I think it, it's the, the hardest skill on the service is to master these things and drive them fast. 
Yeah, well, um, the uh, the faster line at this track was all the way up against the wall, and that's that in itself is really tough to do. But when you're doing that, trying to get as much speed, not crush the wall, and then you have somebody uh, zipping in front of you, cutting across and sliding up. You know, it's it's really tough racing, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was quite a quite a fun finish to watch. Um, you know, I remember uh, so one of the old NASCAR drivers saying like, uh, you know, there's good slide jobs and bad slide jobs, and I saw a couple bad ones in that in that that battle. You know, but um, but uh, I think it's when you're going for the win like that, and you know, there's only one line to be fast is at the top. It's really the only way to get by somebody is just try to, to slide up in front of them and see if you can pull a pass off. You're going to put some more laps in this this fall and winter, and um, I like it. It's exciting. It's always fun to watch, but I just haven't got the hang of it. I don't know if it's my setup, my equipment, but in real world, it's not the, the hardest thing. I would, you know, driving around desert roads and country roads, but, yeah, these guys are good. So, Donnie, you need to sit down with David and talk about steering settings because uh, he's got some magic there um, that can help you on dirt. Will do. Yeah, when I'm in, when I'm in uh, my do dirt cars, either sprint cars or late models, um, the f my setting for the force feedback drops to almost zero. Um, because you have to be able to correct so quickly in those cars by counter steering and stuff like that. If you have any, you know, any any serious um, um, feedback that as you're trying to whip the wheel back in one direction or the other, you can't you can't you can't keep it straight. You can't stay on track. So that's like one of the first things I do with my wheel when I do dirt tracking is just almost almost disable the force feedback. I mean, there's other settings. I don't know specifically what they are, so that's why I was asking, told you to ask David. But it's like turn down the steering ratio, the the ratio, the thing that's like 1080. You put that down to like 720 or something, and then you, um, like you said, turn off the force feedback or turn it really low. But it's also the uh, dampening, I think it's called. That's like if the free wheel, uh, you know, the free movement in the wheel. Um, you don't want any friction there. You want it really frictionless so you can quickly, like Brian said, saw that wheel from one side to the other. Can't hear you, Mike. The Indy Road Course update is complete. The current Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course is now available on iRacing as part of the 2022 Season 3 Patch 3, just in time for this weekend's NASCAR IndyCar Combo. Built from all new scan data, the updated uh, IMS road course has been added as a new configuration to the existing track, meaning that all members who already own it will receive the new layout as part of today's update. The previous configuration has received the 2009 designation and remains playable. Yeah, we'll get to results a little later, but um, I was able to run, run on this last night in the B car. And much better, I'll say. I was a little discouraged after running the IndyCar race earlier this year before the 500 and uh, how tight the corners were. So I was going to skip the B car this year until the scan came out, but um, much, much better to get around the track in. And uh, how much of that turtle are you guys using? I'm not. I'm too tight to even get close to the turtle usually, so I, I don't hit it. You can get almost two-thirds the way over it and um, – straighten out the the um, i guess it's a chicane you can straighten out the chicane get pretty good and doesn't do any damage to the under underside of the car 
and slow you down at all. The problem I think I have when I did hit it was the after fact afterwards is like getting the car to stay straight and staying in the throttle without it spinning on me, but uh, from being upset. So I think I, that's the reason I tried to stay out of it. And that's probably one of the reasons I'm slow there, but I guess my reaction to the course was it's way different than the old one um, that I've run in the past. I, you know, the old one, I guess is always going to be in my mind, um, the F1 debacle that happened there with the tires where they only lasted a few laps at a time. And that configuration is, uh, is different than this one. This one's a different configuration. Like you said, that some of the corners are not as tight, uh, and, and you can keep speed up more so on this version. When I practiced on Tuesday night, I, I couldn't make a lap, man. I was just like off track. I was spinning out. I was doing lazy spins. I was discouraged. In fact, I told you guys, you know what? I'm taking the week off. I'm not going to run this crap. Yeah, after I got to a position last night where I realized I wasn't going to win, I'm going to finish where I'm at, I stopped shifting down to first because coming out of those corners, I think there's three braking zones where I shift into first. This is the B car. I ran a little bit of the cup car for practice, but I'll run tomorrow night's race. Um, just too uh, too much power in first gear coming out of those corners. So I just left it in two once I realized I was going to finish where I was and much better. I mean, you can just essentially cruise around the track um, compared to what it used to be. Except for getting on the front straight, that final turn, that's a little, it's, I think it's a little iffy in both cars. I think the cup car is a little more stable, but this B car, you have to feather the throttle, it seems like, all the way until you're straight on the straightaway. Yeah, I do that too in the A car. Um, it's it is sketchy through there. Um, I've run the I've ran it a couple times so far this week and and have it had good results. I think once I figured out the track after racing on it, uh, I had no problems. I just you know make sure to not overdrive it and just you know do what you can do and what the car can do and don't don't overstep it and you're fine. And that's what I was doing in practice. I think. I, I can't practice. I just prove it over and over and over because I get in there and there's no other cars around. I don't have perspective of how fast I should be going, I guess, in a certain corner or whatever. But boy, put me in a race and I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of the pack. You know, I'll get, I, I can put my way through the, I can go forward through the pack actually. So even though I don't really know the track. So uh, yeah, that's what I learned this week. Yeah, same here. I'm not the fastest road racer, but if I have somebody in front of me, uh, I go a little quicker because I, I know when and where I can't push. If I'm leading somebody, good luck to them behind me. I don't know. But I might wake right. up early Saturday morning and run the IndyCar race. I think it's a 5 a.m. start for me, so I'd have to probably get up at 4.30. But uh, after, after last night, I think I'm going to wake up Saturday for that one. All right, Brian, how important is I-rating to you? Well, thank goodness it's not a super important because mine's terrible right now. And when we go through results, I'll, I'll explain why I took another big hit. But um, this is from Gamer Muscle. They put out a YouTube video um, giving his opinion um, about whether the I rating matters or not. Um, and uh, he de he kind of details what he believes are pros and cons to I rating. You know what's what's the more important things about it? What what things you can uh, disregard? 
those kind of conversations that we've we've talked about some of this stuff before. Um, you know, you know my uh, my opinion is you know if if you're not like a like a top level driver and you're trying to mass I rating points, it's almost just just almost don't even think it's there. Just don't even worry about it. It'll take care of itself if you just race well. And that's true. It does. It just it ebbs and flows, at least for me. But a middle part of this video that really made, um, that I took out of it was, so aside from NIS, I get put in a comparable split, but for my other series on the, in the time slots I, I run, I usually get the one or two splits and I'm usually top split. And he hit it right on the head where I'm never going to be with the top guys, because those guys are five, six, seven thousand I rating, and I'm going to be competing with them every week. So my goal typically is uh, to not lose it, to finish halfway uh, through the standings. I mentioned that before, and uh, and beat my car number. So whatever I start, whatever my car number is at for that particular race, I want to finish above that. Those are my three goals. But uh, sometimes I, I get get it in my head the I rating, but for the most part, like you said, it's it's going to take forever to get to that point unless you're farming it somewhere. I mean, that was the key reason I decided to run Indy after all. It was 10 minutes before the race. I wasn't planning on running. I remembered, guess what? It's going to be based on my road I rating. Why not? I have nothing to lose. I don't give a crap about my road I rating at all. Literally, I don't. None. None yet. So I was like, you know, screw it. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to get some championship points. I went into that first race at Indy. I told my guys, you know, I expect to be DQ'd out by halfway because the practice the night before, I couldn't even make a lap without running off track. So there was no way I, I would be able to finish better in halfway. But when we get to results, I'll, I'll explain what I did. But, but uh, yeah, I just said, screw it. It was all based on I don't care about the I rating. Now, if it was oval I rating, I might have skipped it. Why? Because I'm trying to build that back up. But right now, I, I'm, you know, 2,500 or so. I was as low as 1,900 earlier this year. Um, I know I lost a bunch of I rating, you know, running some different kinds of cars uh, about more than a year ago. And I've, I haven't regained it. I, I used to be at 3,500. And so I'd like to get back to 3,500. And, um, and I'm working towards that goal. And, and if, if it, if this race had counted towards oval I rating, I don't think I would have run it. So that's going to be a question I was going to ask you guys. Um, I I don't remember too much prior to the switch when this would have counted for oval I rating and it's went to road. And I kind of think I would like it to go the other way where this would count towards oval and it would kind of keep the road guys out of the service. So take it for instance, last night, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm going to, uh, since I practice quite a bit on the road courses that I'm going to try to get a one up on these oval guys, but they don't show up and it's all road guys. And here I am the only oval guy. And there's some, I think there's one other guy that I, I recognized in there from uh, the regular series, but uh, yeah, then you just get your butt kicked because they're all road aliens in there. But um, I don't know. I don't know where I sit if I wanted to go back the other way or what your guys' thoughts were when it originally came out. Well, NASCAR used to be an oval series with a couple road courses. That's it. So it made sense to have it all oval, but look at NASCAR today. It's the most diverse series in the world as far as the type of race tracks. They got dirt, you know, you got road, you got street courses, you got 
mini ovals, you got giant ovals, you got everything in between. I mean, so the amount of road courses and dirt and all that, I think, you know, it's, it's better this way, the way it is now. I can see, I can see that argument. And uh, kind of what David said last week, these are all drop weeks. Um, if you're an oval guy and your oval ratings up there, your road ratings down, these are pretty much drop weeks for you as in regards to the championship points. Um, but in real life, everybody runs all the races. So it kind of, it's hard to, hard to compare. So with, with these incidents, the guys I raced last night, most likely aren't running the oval races. They're just coming over for, for the oval side for, for a good oval win. Um, or sorry, a road win, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to. I don't know. I'd like to see what the my weekly oval guys would do on the road course. I mean, we all we all go into NIS, you know, with a goal of let's get a start. Let's get some points every week. You know, let's get some points each week. You know, like you said, some weeks you're not going to get much because it's a road course and maybe your your road rating is down, but at least get some points and um, and run all the events. Yeah, I think I get seven drop weeks. I, are you guys at six for NIS? I think I'm at seven. But like for Coda, there was no uh, not enough registrants throughout the week for my time slot to even run a race, so I wasn't able to run Coda. But uh, so I just counted that one as a drop week. All right, Brian, how about some moon car? Yeah, so uh, moon Moonhead put tweeted out a video of uh, Moon Car race series, um, and um, they're running the '87 cars, '87 NASCAR cars on uh, Super Speedway. It uh, looks like um, Talladega, I think. Golly. Yeah, so they're running a Talladega. They're all grouped up as you would expect. Um, there's a bit of an incident, and like about five or six cars uh, go sideways, and but they all manage to save it and keep keep it going. And the uh, the announcer is what really makes this uh, this Twitter uh, video fun to watch because. Um, he does not he does not hold his excitement back and uh, yeah he he kind of uh he's not pg pg rated uh, announcer that's for sure he's dropping f bombs as he's as he's describing the action it's funny to listen to uh, i would definitely recommend looking up moonhead on twitter and uh, watching this uh watching this highlight yeah i appreciated it i, I watched it on loop for uh, a few minutes um, it was quite surprising to find out his age is 22 years old. He, he says that in, in his commentary because he sounds a little older, but um, it sounds organic. It sounds uh, passionate, like he, he cares about what he's watching. Uh, he, he's the Dale Jr. Uh, commentator from earlier on uh, a few months ago, but I, I hope that this continues, but I hope it doesn't turn into a, sti a, sti um, a, sti uh, a gimmick in any way. It needs to remain organic. That's what makes it enjoyable. You can tell it's coming from him. You know who it sounds like? There's that tinfoil hat guy, Alex Jones, who has all the conspiracies, and he gets fired up, man. Oh, and he's all yelling and screaming, and that's what this guy sounds like. He's just loud and yelling and just freaking mad, you know, or freaking they're wrecking as they come to the line, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, now you hit it on the head. Now I'm only going to picture Alex Jones when I listen to this guy. But uh, but to comment on the video itself, I think there was eight cars. I counted eight cars that were almost sideways in front of the pack. Not one of them wrecked. Well, a couple guys hit the wall, but nobody wrecks. The pack continues on. It was actually pretty incredible. 
So um, did we have a didn't we have another um broadcast from this guy before where he's uh he's um dropping uh, curses as he's uh, announcing the races? Yeah. I, I can't remember. Well, um, what? Okay, sorry, Donnie. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are. I can't recall if they for his Dale Jr. Um, tweet or, or uh, broadcast early a couple months ago if there was any profanity in that one. But I, after watching this one, I'm assuming there's more. All right. Well, if he reminds me of this guy who has YouTube clips uh, called Bob Mannery, and what he does is um, he replays like real life sports clips. Some sometimes they're not always sports, but he does. He's got this great announcer's voice, but he just drops all these curse words as he's recounting these um, these replays. It's so funny. If if you haven't ever heard of Bob Mannery and you don't mind uh, language like that, look him up and and watch some of his videos. They're hilarious. Um, but he does this kind of stuff. He's watching a baseball game and somebody gets plunked, and uh, you know he does a commentary that sounds just like it would be something from the booth. But you know he's dropping all kinds of jokes and expletives as he's doing it. He's a comedian in real life. It's it's really funny, and it's what is exactly what this reminds me of. I've seen that guy. Like he'll stand in front of his TV and and it's Chase Elliott and he's coming to the checkered flag and they're right behind him and he's uh, he's fucking rocking out there. Yeah, yeah, it does all that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of he does. I don't know if he's done too many race racing because he typically does like you know the big four ball sports, baseball, football, hockey, that kind of stuff. But um, it's it's funny. What does it take to get demonetized on YouTube? How many curse words? Got me. I have no idea. That's the only thing I'd be afraid of. Um, in all honesty, um, listening to this guy, it sounds like he has a potential. There's some potential there to be really good. Um, the excitement level's there. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see uh, how far it goes. All right, Brian, Sage to the rescue. Yeah, so we did a story last week about Raja Karuth. Um, he was at Pocono doing some testing. He was looking for um, he was looking for a rig to use because he wasn't going to be around to run his Road to Pro race. Um, and he actually uh, he asked he posted on uh, social media, you know, if anybody in Pocono has a rig that he can use so he can um, he can do his race. Well, Sage Karam, his t uh, teammate, and uh, wound up uh, saying, dude, I got a house right by Pocono. You can come use it. And so uh, Raja sure did. He swung by and, and uh, took care of business in, in uh, Sage's rig. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, following that thread last week, you saw a bunch of uh, locals around the area willing to offer up their rigs. And we all questioned why he didn't ask Sage. And uh, sure enough, that was his contact, and that's the rig he used. So uh, good teamwork. He shows a picture of the him sitting in it and the wheel. I noticed the wheel says Dryer and Reinbold Racing. This is actually a real IndyCar wheel, I think. It's not an oval rim. <laughs> right. I think uh, I don't know if Raja had had a had a bad time on his uh, Pocono race in in um, in the Road to Pro, but he had a terrible one in his uh, Xfinity race. Boy, he he wrecked somebody terrible. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Um, still hoping he gets more opportunities, but uh, yeah, that was a not the best incident. My racers are back in class. NASCAR continues to expand into the fast-growing world of college esports, announcing the fall season of its eNASCAR College iRacing series. 
This four-race schedule kicks off at Homestead on Tuesday, September 20th, with students eligible to qualify for the season opener through a 10-day time attack window. So if you're a student, man, get involved. It says, through the support of its partners, the eNASCAR Scholarship Fund also returns awarding the highest finishers a combined $60,000 in scholarships. So they have an opportunity to, to win some scholarship money. And, um, yeah, so it says each time, time attack is open to all eligible students with the top 40 students who pass the fastest qualifying times advancing to the race. Okay, Donnie, how about some more Fontana news? Yeah, so this past Saturday, I took my boys. Um, it was a charity event. Um, you're able to, I think it was 20 bucks, and you got to drive around the track. It was organized, so we had to follow behind a pace car. But showing up and driving through the tunnel and where we parked over in turn four, um, I noticed what we see in that, that tweet picture where the, the yellow and red seats were missing. I immediately just thought they were tarps. The sun was uh, rising above above it to the to the east a little and i couldn't really get a good look and i spoke somewhere i was going um through the paddock and everything uh so i didn't really take a good look it looked like tarps and i thought eh, it was kind of weird to be tarps so i didn't think nothing of it we did our laps and then later in the day my boy comes into my room and says hey have you seen this tweet and uh so uh so according to a local kart racer and a fontana resident steven nava auto club has started its remodel and uh, he sent out a tweet saying the first phase of the planned reconfiguration of Autoclip Speedway being turned into a short track. Bleachers are being removed. Ends of grandstands will be torn down before the next NASCAR weekend. And then he posted a follow-up tweet a little later showing that the light um, uprights are gone. The light poles are gone and the lights are missing. So when we go back in February, it looks like the seats could be gone. I don't know if the grandstands itself will be gone, but it looks like they're getting rid of the seats. Uh, I did reach out to this guy and talk to him more to get some... Um, feedback on what he does is he a construction worker but yeah he is in fact he uses the, the cart track which was active when we were there they, they had an event going on and it's a weekly event and he's um, a cart racer there and lives in the area but uh and he monitors it and he he sees it going on all the time so um for the most part the locals here and uh, including myself are a little bummed to see this happen it's kind of reality now that we're losing that two mile track but um it's reality and in the bed, yeah, just reality. So yeah, it's going to be is what it is. Eventually, we're going to get a short track there. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah, I was speaking with you last night, and I had the the president of Auto Club in my sights because every every employee I asked everybody I saw, hey, what are you guys' plans? They all gave me the canned answer of, oh, we don't know yet. The city hasn't gone back to us. Uh, and dang it, if I would have known this at, when I was asking those questions, I would have called them out. But um. But yeah, I had the president there, and I uh, didn't have the nerve to go up to him. <laughs> yeah, I would want to ask him, you know, are you sticking to the iRacing plan that they originally put out, or have you have you tweaked it? I mean, what's changed, you know? Yeah, I'm going to – I even said this to you last night. I'm going to try to go back and utilizing the iRacing angle and um, maybe – just start asking more questions, see what I can do. Start poking and prodding and see what they say. That sounds like fun. Now, something else that's fun is this one. Top podium. Chandler Welling and partners have raised $10 million to open a sim racing version of Top Golf in Nashville. Project is called Podium One. Based on renderings, he plans to have 84 simulators and a full restaurant and bar. 
project is targeted to be completed in the Q2, Q3 of next year. Now, he put up a TikTok video I found, and he shows the plans of what you know he's planning on doing. It's pretty freaking cool. I mean, the whole idea is a place that you know friends can gather and watch racing instead of baseball or whatever. He wants a place where people can come watch Formula One. But on top of that, you can uh, you know do the simulator part. And so each bay would have six simulators for you and your friends. You could run iRacing, Assetus Corsa, any of the titles, you know, R-Factor. He's going to have everything available. Uh, he did uh, indicate iRacing would be the primary one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the plans that he has look really cool. Like they have in the entryway uh, – a like a waterfall with a it's in a circle with a formula one car in the middle of it and so they have all these supercars and they had a, like a lamborghini and they plan all these you know high-end uh look to this place to make it look you know real high-end uh he's planning on expanding into a bunch of different cities too and so I reached out to him. Uh, we we cut we we went back and forth a little bit. I'm trying to get him on as a guest, actually, and, and talk to him and see what he what he's got going here. Yeah, you know what? I was a little um, skeptical when I was first thinking about it, watching the video. But after I thought about it, uh, nothing like this exists. I mean, you have sports bars and whatnot, but they're um, not obviously focused in to racing uh, for the racing viewer. But um, to target just the Formula One base, I don't know how much longer that lasts in America. I, write, I know it's fresh and new right now for the Drive to Survive series, but uh, he's going to have to promote it to other series as well, especially in Nashville. Um, but obviously having it upscale like he's going to have it, um, you got to hit a, a key target demo there to get something like this to survive. This isn't the first time that somebody has tried to do this, okay? I recall maybe one or two years ago, somebody was doing this in Chicago and I don't think it ever got off the ground. I think it was open a month or something. You know, it's ambitious. Uh, what he was talking about in here is ambitious, but um, you see this new uh, growth of formula one fan. And I'm just curious, like I just mentioned, I, I'm just curious how long it's going to go, go for once they start getting into the, into the culture, watching the races. And it's not, the Drive to Survive series they watch on Netflix and they actually sit down and watch the races, are they going to stick with it? You know, most of us have been watching it for a long time, so we get it. We're ingrained. We're in the culture. Um, we understand what's going on, but are these new fans going to stick around? Yeah, and, it, it and, sounds like so. You know, stick around oh. and, and show up to a place like this. It sounds awesome. Um, like Top Golf's really fun. I, I play real golf, and then Top Golf's a completely different animal, but a whole lot of fun. Right. Um... He's got the money to get it going. That's for sure. I mean, and he, he sounded like he had partnerships and, you know, different partners and different things. And the it's, it's a good idea. And it sounds like he's going to get it going. But the question, like you said, it will people show up. I'm afraid people aren't going to show up or it's going to be too expensive for the average consumer. I'm afraid that might be the case. And, um, I don't know. The, the, the demographics got to be right. Regarding race I, fans, I mean demographic, regarding race fans. 
I'm curious as to how um, the licensing is going to work for for like iRacing. You know, is he going to have you know 85 accounts if he's got 85 simulators? Um, does iRacing you know charge extra for for having an account that's going to that you're trying to make money out of? You know what I mean? It's uh, if we if we if we get a chance to get him on the show, these are questions that would be uh, really interesting to hear. Yeah, to make, to make it harder for marketing, you have to have your own iRacing account before you get there. That'd be cool. Like if you could sign into your own account when you're there instead of using, you know, the generic one. But Okay, so at the, at the tracks, um, I always walk by them. I never participate. I don't know why. But the iRacing booths, how do those work? Are those, um, do you sign into your own account or, or do they have no. access to multiples? It's you definitely don't sign into your own account. So yeah, I'm sure the license is the same and I'm sure it's expensive. It's got to be a business kind of license, you know, especially if this guy's, you know, reselling it, basically he's making money on it. So they're also selling the rigs the, the, that they have in the facility that you can buy them. Like if you decide, you know what, I want to buy this, they'll sell you the whole thing. And so that you can, arranged to buy it as well all right brian you got the off-road championship yeah so last night wednesday was uh, around 11 and 12 you know they do double rounds in in one night in the iRacing off-world championships um so the win on the two features last night were connor barry and uh, uh jacob rafos um the with that with that win, Connor Barry actually takes over the point lead. If remember last week, it was real tight. It was only a three point lead uh, going into uh, going into uh, last night's race. And uh, Connor Barry with his win and his good showing in the second, um, he got a uh, third place in the second feature. He takes over the lead by uh, seven points now over Keaton Swain, who was uh, last week's uh, leader in the points. So uh, another another great week for those guys. Uh, there is just two weeks left. It's a seven-point difference in championship points. Really close still. And um, they are heading to Wild Horse. Uh, no, no, they're heading to Bark River next week. Um, this this past week was at uh, Wild Horse Pass. So, uh, yeah, so uh, – or Wild West, I'm sorry. This week was Wild West. Next week is Bark River. And then they'll wrap up the series with that land rush at Crandon. Yeah, pretty cool. There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Sim Coaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken the years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. housekeeping don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us 
Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check us out on Discord. If you were on Discord, uh, you would have been involved in the Podium One discussion that we just talked about of the facility in Nashville. Get in there and join the discussion, guys. Uh, don't forget the website, iracerslounge.com. We are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. And Fantasy. All right, guys. Uh, NASCAR was in turmoil last week, and the, it certainly was no uh, no different with the the points in the fantasy uh, fantasy series. Uh, so uh, looks like uh, week the week was won by Trick Dick Dickle um, and S Ross LX nineteen eighty six was second. Gojo twenty four X was third place. Um, and the funny thing was, uh, you know, they put out po- they put out results for fantasy after at the end of the NASCAR race, uh, and we had a couple of our, our teammates, Tyler Fatboy, uh, nineteen ninety, Tyler Williamson finished uh, second place for the second week in a row, until the disqualifications came for the Toyota cars of uh, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. Then all of a sudden, uh, Tyler drops to ninth place. So. Uh, not not good uh that 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 uh disqualification did not do him well um so uh it was it was a tough week for a lot of guys um greg is is uh still hanging on in um fourth place overall um so he's uh the highest of our tofosi teammates in the overall championship uh tyler was in the top 10 in the overall points until those disqualifications and he dropped back to 12th so um Tough, tough week for him. Um, so uh, right now, uh, overall, the standings are uh, louder. Racing uh, is in first place um, over the 2-1-F, and O-Baby 44 is in third with uh, Greg in the top four. Yeah, I think the, the Toyota has really screwed me two weeks in a row. I, I bite hard on them when they, when they run good in practice and qualifying, and then they run well in the race, and then obviously DQs happen. Uh, so this weekend, I usually pick a dark horse, and uh, with the being the road course, I think I'm going to go pretty straightforward with this one. If Joey hands in this one, I think I'm going to take him again. I don't know. I think uh, I don't know why I'm going to do it. I just curse myself. He's going to run well, and then something's going to happen. <laughs> I was wondering if they were going to update the the points after the disqualifications, but they did, and um, it, it took them a, a few hours before they changed it, but. But yeah. Throughout the week, have we learned exactly what the tape was for? It kind of made sense. They're rounding off some hard edges on the the front fascia. Five point zero one two. And they put it underneath the wrap, so it's not something you could see, and uh, you couldn't really test it beforehand. That's why they didn't um, catch them earlier, because they you can't really tear into the wraps um, before the race starts. Yeah, let's did they the... have an advantage though? There's not an advantage. I don't well, see it. They wouldn't put it there if they didn't. But throughout the, the various podcasts throughout the week, uh, sounds like they knew they were going to find it, and they went right to it right away when the cars were still on pit road. Peeled up the wrap, and the tape was there. So, um, I mean, why would you put the tape there if it doesn't give you an advantage? You wax your car. You you um, you put clear coat over stickers. Uh, I'm assuming at these speeds, every little bit helps, but why would you have tape there if it doesn't make a difference? I'm more curious as how did the NASCAR know to to go right up to it like that? Like, did they have a leaker or a, a tattletale? 
most likely somebody dimed him out. I also heard potentially this rule came out on a Wednesday, so they were prepared for it. They were prepared to to check certain cars, and those certain cars happened to win. Hmm. But it's fun. I don't want them to stop trying to cheat. Granted, they're they're throwing they're throwing hammers down hard this season with the cheating, and they don't want them to. But it's uh, the creativity's fun. I would have never thought throwing a tiny piece of tape would have done any any good. But uh, yeah. I have no idea what the 34 car did. I haven't read up on that one, but apparently not so good. Hardware software. Guess what, boys? We have a new sponsor. Uh, Hardware software is now brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. Are you looking for that next sim sim rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we're, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, feel free to contact us for your needed item. Supreme 3D Printing is at Etsy.com where you can purchase these items. Of course, uh, our teammate Kyle Pendigraft is Supreme 3D Printing. Uh, he recently printed, uh, for me and Greg, our fan system, um, that our, uh, fan uh, wind, I guess it's a wind sim as a way to call it a wind sim. He printed everything we needed, the brackets, um, the little mounts, the little, uh, everything. He even put together the, uh, the Arduino circuit board. So Greg didn't have to do anything besides install it. So if you want something 3D printed, hit up Kyle. I was throwing this in the in the script last night. I, I cruised around the site, and they have a lot of things. It's not just for sim racing, uh, but they do have a lot of sim racing stuff. But if, like the the, the article said here, you can there's a lot of things you can get. So it's worth a worth a look. Knickknacks and stuff. You know, there's a clock. There's a there's a little plant, you know, holder, a planter bowl, you know, this stuff you'd put on a table, neat stuff. Yeah. So not just sim racing, like you said, um, even though that's the only thing I'm buying from Kyle. <laughs> yeah. 3D printing. It's a, it's a real skill. I'm finding I have one right there, but I have the, obviously not a, a, as good as one as Kyle has here, but uh, yeah, it takes a lot of time, a lot of skill and a lot of effort to get these things good. Brian, how about the VRS Formula Wheel? Yeah, so uh, the new VRS Virtual Racing School Formula Wheel is scheduled to be released in quarter four of 2022, but actually uh, made an early appearance at the Spa 24 Hours where they were testing it out for a beta test. Um, The Apex Racing team uh, tweeted out that uh, they were trying it out. And uh, yeah, it's a a solid looking... um, a solid looking wheel. I haven't seen any early pricing projection yet or anything like that. Looks uh, pretty similar to yours, Mike, in, in, as far as the shape goes. Um, so, uh, what, what do you think? Does it looks like uh, something you'd be interested? In? The shape and the grip is ab- actually very similar to what I have with the cube controls. Uh, the rest of it's a bit different. I, I mean, the I would say the buttons are a lot more low key. Um, nothing too fancy, uh, but it looks durable you know and and usable so if you have a vrs 
uh, wheelbase, I mean, you're certainly going to be interested in getting this matching wheel to go with it. A few months back, I actually reached out to VRS. Um, on their site, they had something listed as button boxes coming soon. So I uh, emailed them, asked them questions about their button box, and then they told me their button boxes are on hold and they have something else coming. So I'm assuming this is what it was. But I think it's uh, important to know. I think these are just prototypes for now. So I, they got a little, they got some comments on on this uh, tweet they put out about a certain aesthetic looks to it. But um, yeah, this is just uh, this isn't the final product. But uh, I heard that the, the VRS wheel for itself is is good for the price you're paying. I think it's a, a $7.99, and it's a good direct drive wheelbase. Um, so with a, a matching rim to go with it, I guess, and it doesn't look bad. All right, I'll take this one. The SimLab X1 Pro is from SimLabs. They set a new benchmark regarding sim, sim cockpit design and focuses on ease of use and ergonomics. This spacious cockpit is built as a podium, which provides a sense of freedom that is unparalleled until now. Now, looking at the pictures of this, how does it differ from the P1X that I have well, it's quite different. Um, I'll start first with the base. You know, in front of the seat, like above the pedals, is like a, a, I guess you would call it a floor. It's like a piece of metal. It's real thick, and it's not the the typical eighty twenty like uh, like the other rigs. So it's got a floor to it, which is kind of unique. The other thing is the uprights. I uh, have like covers or something on them. They don't have the 80-20 slots that you would normally see. Uh, and so they're smooth on the outside, the uprights. The other thing I noticed is there's no bracing for those uprights to make them more sturdy. They just come straight up from the bottom, um, nothing else. And then heavily hanging off one side is a monitor and the wheelbase. Um, what do you guys think? This being um, about three or four inches off the ground, do these things tip over? Can they tip over? I guess if not you easily. Not easily. It just. Uh, I like the floor. The floor isn't um, a crazy idea. Cool. Yeah, I like the floor. Um, yeah, no, I sitting what I'm in, sitting in. This looks great. Um, I thought it was uh, the odd thing to me looking at this is that typically those uprights for your steering wheel on an 80-20 style rig is like, you know, it's like about a quarter away from one end to the other, you know, um, so that the wheel is uh, in the correct position in front of you as you're steering. Um, but this one, the uprights are all the way at the far corner of the rig where the pedals are, which means that, you know, they really have to stretch to get from that upright to where you're sitting, sitting, and uh, you know they they have a it's a long way from that post, the upright post to where the steering wheel and the uh, wheelbase is, so it's kind of unusual like that. It does open up a lot of uh, leg room, you know, to get in and out of it, I guess. Um, but um, you're right, it's such a such a long lever uh, coming out of there. I would be a little afraid because you know sometimes getting in and out of these you might lean on your wheel a little bit. Is it gonna? Is it? Is it close enough to the uh, uprights to to keep that um, from bending or, or moving when you when you're getting in and out of it? If you uh, if you put too much weight on it or something. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Now I'm catching what you guys are saying. Um, and also, how much uh, dash components are you going to have to add to this uh, this rig to up the cost? And I'm curious if that um, the wheel where it starts to go in and then uh, mount outwards is that adjustable? Does that go up and down? I can't I can't tell. It looks like it's a possibility, but yeah. Now that you guys are saying what you're saying, there's no uh, no dash room here. You're going to have to add on. It's yeah, I can't say how much weight is on one side of those uprights. I mean, like Brian said, the the wheel is really sticking out, you know, from there quite a bit. And and that's my big concern. Now, SimLab is known for really good stuff. So I can't imagine that it has any flex in it or, or you know, I, I can't wait to see a video, to be honest. But these are pictures. Um, I'm sure there isn't any flex. Maybe that the way that those uprights attach to that floor, that new floor thing, maybe it's rock solid, you know, and we just can't. Because uh, normally with the Sim Lab, you have those uprights, but you also have a crossbar that comes across for the, for the gear shift and goes back down. And that gives that extra support, especially when you have a bunch of weight on one side of it. Um, this doesn't have that. And that's the other thing I see that's, completely missing like where are you going to shift you know this is i guess assuming you're going to do paddle shifting only yeah exactly so you know where would you put a sequential where would you put a handbrake if you added a handbrake to it anything like that would be uh it'd be interesting to see how they they uh solve that issue it, it is spacious like you said it's real easy to get in and out of the uprights are pushed way back um there's a lot of there's no there's open space on both sides like there's nothing there and so maybe that's the whole idea behind the design is just you know we want something more comfortable now what's scary is when you go to the last picture and you look at the price holy cow it says 1800 from 1800 euros you're gonna pay for that floorboard <laughs> So one of the pictures even says upgradable from the P1X. So does that mean I could buy some parts and turn my rig into this rig? And would I want to? That's the whole thing. I don't I almost feel like this isn't better than what I currently have. The I actually like I actually like being able to put my feet down on the floor and having that hole there. Oh, there's David Hall. Yeah, I just got back. So what do you think of the floor? You you don't like the floor because you like to be able to stand in that hole? Yeah, especially getting in and out makes it a lot easier. We're starting over from the top. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. What do you think about the, the weight offset on those uprights, David? Uh, I came in in the middle of this conversation, so about all I've gathered, I've got seen one picture. So I, the price tag was about the first thing that caught my attention. It's double the price of the P1X. The seats you guys sit in now, do you guys have adjustable seats for back and forth so you can get in and out easy? I noticed this one has yeah. it. Yeah, okay. Seat slider, yeah. I bought a seat slider and it didn't work because my seat has the holes in the wrong part of the seat. So it was not compatible. I don't know. I, I mean, at double, almost double the price, like Brian said, I, I would still be looking at the P1X, I'm sorry to say. Now there may be yeah. more that comes out later that lets us know uh, what, what the extra value is. 
And another thing is the the uh, how you mount your wheelbase is not going to be something that is um, doesn't look like it would be easy to do if you're having one one brand over another. You know what I mean? It doesn't look like it would take a universal amount for it the way it's designed. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Yeah, it's hard to tell uh, how that base really the wheelbase is mounted, as you're saying, but. Uh... Yeah, right. Because because where the uprights are, you know, typically those um, the mounts for the wheelbase, you know, come right across uh, the midsection of it, where this one's coming from the back. The wheelbase is mounting from the back of it, not from the sides like you typically would see. So that's a, it's interesting to see how they would solve that problem with uh, different manufacturers of wheelbases. God, you'd think there'd be some flex. I mean. And that's what all these cockpits are all about, is getting rid of flex. Well, we'll find out. All right, Brian, how about incoming child iRacers? Yeah, so Overpower, which is a European uh, sim rig builder, has their sights on the ghost. Um, they're going to be designing a smaller scale rig, which makes it easier for kids to reach the pedals and wheels comfortably when they get in and out of their uh, rig. So uh, it features a groove adjustability for uh, for uh, easier adjustment on the pedals and wheels so they can slide back and forth as child's, as these kids grow up. You know, you don't want to set for one age and as they grow up so quickly, you know, it doesn't fit them anymore. So, uh, yeah, so it's a rig for kids. You know, when uh, when my kid uh, drives in my rig, I have to put like a super big pillow on the bottom so he's tall enough to uh, reach all the stuff. I have to put the wheel or, or the uh, slide the seat as far as possible so he can just barely reach the pedals. So uh, this would this would solve your problem. Get get your kid your own rig. Might also help if you have your own rig set up because you're fairly short and uh, you invite a friend over who's two feet taller than you and they can't get in the damn rig. There you go. Yeah, my 15 year old just purchased, uh, bought his way into iRacing, so he saved up his money. But he's on a desk and with the rolly chair. But uh, something like this, I couldn't imagine spending a whole lot of money on because kids grow, like you mentioned, they grow up pretty quick and uh, you're gonna grow out of it. But you can at least keep the wheel, the rim, and the, and the monitors and whatnot. But but a good idea is uh, now they're just gonna be quicker, faster than we are by the time they even reach teenage years. Yeah, so the rig is on a website, overpower.gg. It's 399 euros for the child version. Um, I can't tell if it's metal or wood, but it has some adjustability in it where you can move stuff forward and back as far as the seat and the, the steering area and the pedals. Um, but it's kind of the formula style seating, though. The, the seat is part of it, so that makes it even cheaper. You don't have to buy a separate seat. Yeah, and comfort isn't too big of a deal for these, these kids. They still got time to develop their own pains later in life. <laughs> This makes me uh, think about last last year that uh, kids race that they had for uh, that uh, my kid was in. You know, I wonder if they're going to be doing that again. I can't remember what time part of the year it was, but uh, it was uh, something we were looking forward to have hopefully coming around again. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Maybe you should organize one. There you go. Well, if you remember, they had to get special permission from iRacing for the kids to use the their adult. Um, adults uh, 
accounts because uh i guess it's you know technically illegal to let somebody race under your account and they were advertising it as as that and uh, i i racing gave them permission to do so um so yeah how, how old's your but, boy brian say again i'm sorry how old's your son uh the one who likes racing is 11 years old right now so does he have plans to save up his money get his own rig not that I'm aware of. He hasn't told me anything about it. He, th I think he still thinks he can hop in mine whenever he wants right now. So he just has other things he'd rather spend money on. Yeah, the spirit of that rule is to avoid a lot of shenanigans, especially with things like the Spa 24 with people racing on other people's accounts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think that event violated any of those, um, any of those type of uh, rules there. Let's go well, to I'm the other side the of the... Go ahead. As I say, I'm looking at the script on this one, and I'm thinking it looks like what you would see if you bought a sim rig in the game Sims. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, let's go to the other side of the spectrum. We have the Pro Drive Simulator. Pro Drive reveals a stunning new racing simulator with an enormous price tag. They are best known for building successful Subaru rally cars. Now this UK racing company is entering the world of sim racing with this new sim. It comes with a uh, 12 gigabyte uh, GeForce RTX graphics card, doesn't say which one, 16 gigs of memory, curved 49 inch 5K screen, SimiCube 2 Pro, uh, we, Pro Wheel as well, uh, electrically adjustable pedals, Cobra Nagaro Street bucket seat, Bowers and Wilkins headphones and comes preloaded with a set of Corsa. And the design of this thing is, wow, it's like quite different. It's, it's really different. I thought who's buying this and uh, looks ridiculous, but I thought who cares? Who cares if somebody wants to spend 40,000 on a uh, over stylized uh, sim rig, people have different tastes and more sim racers. I think the better sometimes just grow the sport. But uh, yeah, this thing sits at a uh, 39 euro. So we learned last week the exchange rate's pretty similar. So, wow, sleek, modern. I don't know how to describe this. It. You you might could describe it like it came from the game Sims. That's this is the one you're referring to. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> might kind of miss my transition there. Yeah, I guess I did. Uh, I, I you know what it looks like to me, George Jetson you know, little spacecraft that he jumps in and goes to work in. I'm looking at the supports now. So you're, oof, well, okay. I can see this one tipping over. I have a, a weird thought of things tipping over, but I can see this one tipping over. Put some motion on that. Especially if you if you get excited and just start leaning, suddenly you're in the middle of a race and, and you start yelling over the comms. Uh, I actually wrecked in my room. I'm curious where this would go. This is almost too nice to be hidden away somewhere. Actually, not nice at all. But um, does this a center art piece that you're going to um, display downstairs? Yeah, this would go in a living room and be beautiful. I mean, and so here's what it says. It's a sculpted carbon monocoque housing the driver's seat, the screen, steering wheel, and pedal box appear to float beneath a striking canopy of 16 layers of birch are encased in an elegant lacquered glass black finish. Not only is this the 
beautiful to look at from the outside, but wraps over the driver to give such an immersive experience that it feels like being in the cockpit of a race car. Now, one problem I do see with this, if you do pick this up, um, you're going to just make it, um, you're going to take away from the aesthetics by adding your dashes and you're going to have to pull up a tray of some sort to put your keyboard on and maybe a mouse tray off to the right. And uh, I, like the previous reg, no, um, no spot for a shifter. Yeah, everyone thinks you're just a formula car driver and you don't need all that. That one's crazy. All right, I'll take this one. The IM Sim is the name of the company. Um, they invited Gamer Muscle uh, over to their factory in Portugal to, not, to check out their new Talento Sim pedals, but to also take a look at how their company operates as well as how they put together their motion simulators. So M-SIM is known for a, a motion sim that sits on a pivot point right in the middle, and it kind of wobbles on that pivot. Um, that's, and we've talked about them before. But what was neat about this video was not only was Gamer Muscle there, but other sim racing celebrities, um, the uh, from other channels, um, the Sim Pit guy was there, as well as um, oh, I can't think of the guy's name. The Italian guy uh, who who uh, does all the immersive stuff. He was there, and there was another guy, and they basically had a competition on how fast could you change the the rubbers in the pedals. And so one neat thing about these pedals is the Talento Sim pedals is um, they're real quick to change out the rubbers. Hey, you're going from a, a formula car to a, a legends car. You got to switch out the rubbers and, and get a soft pedal versus a hard one. And so they basically had a little competition. It was, it was interesting and humorous to, you know, to see these guys um, trying it and see who's faster. All right, so let's jump to Brian, D-Box Gen 5. Yeah, so uh, D-Box, who uh, is like, uh, I don't know if they're the leader in um, motion actuators for sim rigs. If not, they're, they're pretty close. Um, they are releasing their next Gen 5 uh, actuators that are coming out this August. And uh, they're supposedly a lot more cost-effective and compact. Um, so it's licensed by the FIA, just like the uh, the other ones were, and uh, it's basically a plug and play uh, system uh, that delivers motion and vibration all in one. So uh, yeah, these things are coming out in August, um, and uh, they are relative. You know, compared to the typical uh, D box systems that you're used to, they're pretty inexpensive. When I say inexpensive, I'm saying seventy five hundred dollars. Um, so, you know, I know the regular uh, D boxes are run, you know, almost twice that, I think. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, they work just the same as the other ones do. They just mount onto a uh, 8020 type system. Um, they're all, they have, they have that, um, they're, they're a little different where the um, actuators have that control box that are mounted to each of the four actuators, which is a little different than you typically would see. You know, you wouldn't see that big box. And that might have something to do with the vibration that they're adding to it because uh, um, the, uh, the typical actuators just 
you know do up and down motion and i think uh these uh these act these uh control boxes that are attached to them maybe that has something to do with the uh, vibration effects that they actually offer too so as far as d box go yeah they are uh, they're a good bit less expensive than um than the ones that they they have right now in the uh, in the works. Um, so it's an inch and a half on the travel range of these actuators, which is actually on the smaller side. Um, so it's not a not a huge 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 uh, um, stroke of the pistons there that uh, that you will see in some of the other uh, D box style um, actuators. Um, so seventy five hundred dollars still pretty expensive, um, but they're getting a little closer to something that most people can afford a little this is uh offered from advanced sim racing up in canada that's where greg got his rig i i don't think i would do it i think i would get one of the generic versions i mean the haptic stuff is probably cool but i mean we you can you can do that with uh you know the butt kickers right Butt kickers for sure, yeah and i I wouldn't and the butt kickers are going to be amounted a lot closer to where you're sitting than than when they're on the farts of your rig. I don't know. You, I don't think you would get the fidelity of the of the vibrations that you get when they're mounted on the four corners of your rig, as opposed to you know, like right underneath your seat or something like that. Right. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right, Donnie. How about uh, race one. box? Or how about David? How about the race box button? Yeah, this is a little. Real quick uh, post from Racebox Sim. He's complaining that Instagram is telling him he needs to post more reels so he can grow. Well, he's got a button box up here with built-in uh, lighting linked into the iRacing flag system. Or I guess it will work with any of the APIs. But yes, yeah, it's a neat little button box with with lights there right there on the on the button box. Yeah, so looking at the site now. So the one we're looking at here on the script is uh, 139. It's got that rotary dial in the middle. Um, yeah, it looks looks pretty good. Actually, it's not 139. I don't see it on their site. Um, but he has a several I different. Find it. Yeah, I don't see. It. I thought it was the bottom one here, but it's slightly different. Um, but I'm looking at some of the other ones he has on here. And did you see it, Mike? It's the race flag LED display. Looks like it goes onto the back of a race car. It's for 84 bucks. Yeah, that is freaking cool. It looks cool, and it's not a bad price either. Um, I can see that just being mounted in the corner somewhere. Um, actually, I'm going to save this site, and I'm looking at that one. He's got some other button boxes that aren't uh, horribly priced either with uh, some LED screens in them. Um, aesthetics you got to get used to. It's a little bit different design compared to some of the other ones, but, but yeah, they don't look too bad. It's so a good vertical layout. They, they tend to be, a, you know, like the DSDs that I have, they're real horizontal. Uh, but this is, this is a pretty good vertical layout if you like that. You don't have to want to have to reach out as far to reach all of them. The boxes and he's got a good variety of toggles and and knobs uh a little light on the buttons but still you get plenty of done if you got a pair of these it looks a little deep and then it also has a light uh thing at the top middle that is a spotter uh like if the leds are on the right that means there's a car to your right. If it's on the left, there's a car to the left. I think it also does like eye flag, you know, yellows, green, checker. Yeah, for the one we're looking at, I'm I'm still looking at the $84 one on his website. And the list of flags that that thing displays is pretty incredible. Um, I don't know, 84 bucks seems, seems like a home run for this. It has a 
I'm sorry, we're going off of what he's actually showing here, but that flag display it has your green, your yellow, your orange, your blue flag, white, uh, black, checkered, car and pit lane, pit service, spotter left, spotter right, uh, give you a meatball flag if you have a meatball, and a fuel alert uh, with one lap to go. Just that, uh, just that one flag box. Yeah, what they can do is it's all, it all comes out of the appy that is the same way the third-party apps work because you can get all that information with sim racing apps thrown up on your on your screen as well if you want or JRT um, and they, they just, they're just running it to hardware instead of software and so if you if you're running monitors that this is a good option. Yeah, it almost looks like how he has it mounted here is it would be mounted on the fence up ahead and that's what's flashing in front of you. Uh, I don't know. I dig it. I don't have the VR, so this would be very appealing. It's from Mexico. That's where they're out of. Now, this next one is pretty cool. It's called the Admin Box 2.0, and it's a plug-and-play professional button box that requires no key binding with 32 buttons. It has all the functions needed to administrate a race while competing. And so the buttons are like clear black flag, you know, uh all kinds of different options uh, i'm trying to look at the different buttons here add a lap remove a lap from the caution clear all the black flags eol a driver uh double file single file restarts uh wave by um etc never ran a race so i don't know how difficult it is i'm sure it is uh, but yeah, I, I misread this one. I, I was trying to understand what I would use this for, but now that makes sense. Admin box. Well, this one makes me makes me wonder just a little bit because to actually make to actually program those in iRacing, you still have to bind a button, and there's only a certain number. You have you're limited on how many you can bind uh, for like clear tires and, and and whatever. And if you set some of those for race admins, you basically will run out of slots. I think there's ten slots. Now that maybe this may be a different case on some of the other softwares, uh, but so without key binding, you would only be able to use ten of those specifically or for race admin stuff. But you, if you're using it for all the other stuff that you want to, uh, if you just want a really dense button box where where you where you have everything in a real tight place and you kind of memorize it by by muscle memory, this would be a very handy box. Yeah, because it's got a bunch of buttons in a small spot. One hundred and fifty bucks. And the website is admin box and they spell it with two X's.com. David, how about a lovely dashboard? All right. Give me a second. As when I clicked on the link, it took me all the way back to the top of the notes. Those, those of you who are listening live, you get a delay. Those of you who get the edit don't. All right, here we go. We've got a lovely dashboard. It's uh, by lovely sim racing and it's lovely. Um, they posted a video of how to get this lovely sim hub dashboard that he has created. And I'm guessing this is software. I've not obviously had any time yeah. to watch the video. Yeah, it's free um, software that this guy's built. It's a clean looking dash. I mean, I like the look of it. Um, it it's much like the Joel real timing dash that I run on top of my wheel on an Android phone, but it's got a cleaner look to it. And it's not as busy. Yeah. I, that's that's kind of a personal preference because I've added even more stuff to my general timing, uh, but I have it out of the way, so I'm not really focused on it unless I'm like a straightaway looking for some information, like am I gaining time or losing time, or how am I doing fuel mileage wise, stuff like that. So there's a GitHub link 
uh, in the show notes where you can get the software. It's also uh, linked in his YouTube video that he put together describing it. Uh, but you can go there and try it out if you want. Now, I'm pretty happy with what I have, so I don't think I'm going to try this. But if you're looking for one, man, try this one. It looks like there's alternate schemes, too. Uh, he's got the normal one with all the different information on it. And then there's like a a timing and scoring grid version. And then there's a track map version. Okay, with that, we're going to jump to results. NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up last week. I was wrecked out uh, on the green-white checker, on the white, P19. Ouch. I actually led some laps and was running top three. Under the caution, I was checking my phone, and I missed pitting and basically screwed myself. Um... But yeah, that wasn't a great race for me. Tony Rochette stated he, he ran this race. Once again, the chubby, angry bird back squawking in victory lane. So Tony got a, a victory here. Swin number four in the season and first since Atlanta in March, a week before his shoulder surgery. Was seriously debating race or watch the newly renamed Live PD? Glad Groves convinced me. Hung out top three most of the race, was in lead for the green-white checker, took off right at the start of the restart zone like a good boy and caught everybody sleeping. Hold on. Looks like Tony Groves got a P2. He didn't qualify, started 32nd. He got spun and was hitting the rear quarter panel, got up to sixth before a green flag pit stop back to 16th. <clears throat> Put him back to 16th. Nikashin came out with five to go. Cycled up to third for the first green-white checker. Second attempt, still third, but got a much better launch in the leader and I broke away. I tried to make a move in one, but don't hit the entry and tightened up. It was from there. Fun battle at the end. Give it P6. Can you tell me what I wrote as I don't have that that page pulled up over here? All you right. said was, I got it. I uh, was in position to do well on fuel strategy. But we had a caution with 20 to go, then 10 to go. I struggled to hold on to third on a short run and got moved by a guy without major cost. Okay, yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, we were going to make it, like, right on the edge, running out on fuel. It came out late. Um, I think on the 10th to go, I stayed out on old tires from P9, I think, um, and, and restarted, like, P3. And, yeah, one of the guys with fresher tires bumped me but it didn't but you know i don't even think it was intentional it was, and it didn't wreck me it just gave him the spot and i don't think i really lost any other spots as a result uh so net gain on the on the tire gamble i gained about three spots out of it because i had been running between sixth and ninth the whole race bonnie p30 yeah p30 i was wrecking to turn one pretty early i went a lap down i rode in the back to just find out my time I eventually got the lucky dog um, with 25 to go. That's coming out of one down the straight. And um, I had a good strategy at this point and good long run speed. I shifted into third. I don't even know how it happened. I tried to replay it. My motor blew instantly, gave me an hour and three minutes of damage. Um, I left this one pretty upset. Um, nothing worse, in my opinion, 
than creating these problems yourself. Like I, if you get hit in the rear and sent into the wall, I mean, not much you could have done there, but when it's your fault and it's really your fault, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, you got to get another one in just to get over it. But um, still replayed it in my mind. Don't even know how I did it. Obviously, I physically did it, but it was just a mental lapse. Probably thinking of my B car shifting with the H pattern, and I just went up to third when I was, don't even know what I was doing, to be honest, but P30. You're not the only one to do that. I've done it in my sequential shifter, uh, wanting to shift up a gear and somehow shifted down. And it's just a brain fart, I, I think, is what it really boils down to. But I, I'd be surprised if not everybody does that at some point. And you know what I was, the, what made it uh, more upsetting was I was actually, you get to the point where you have fun on this track, you get into a, a rhythm um, and you're hitting the tunnel turn at a, at a good speed that you're, you're, you're proud of. And then you, you kind of engage the strategy and, and what your tire wear is compared to everybody else. And you think you're gonna pick them off at the end and, and then that just ruins your day. Okay, Sunday open, David Hall, P wrecked out, racing in a tight pack, a car in front of me decided to check up in the middle of the gas zone of turn two. I jerked to the left across a car's nose. The checkup driver took blame for the wreck, but I also wish I had just checked up. It was a snap reaction, no time to think. Yeah, that was one of those where I, I, I turned across the nose because it was a panic, basically. I mean, they check, he checked up hard um because he said he said he didn't want to go too wide in the tunnel turn and i was ready to go too wide in the tunnel turn right behind him um and decided to turn left and it didn't work out for me um i, I wish i had checked up but i probably would have nosed the guy in front of me either way yep um it was just one of those where you you only got to react and i just reacted the wrong way all right sunday fixed p27 oh it was caution on lap one and then literally green the rest of the race. And it really, really, really proved how I suck on long runs. I, I was good the first 15, 20 laps of a run, but after that, I'm just slower than everybody else. So Steven Llewellyn, he wins P1. Well done for Steven. Brian, you tried, but crashed out. Yeah, I, I didn't crash my car. My computer crashed on like lap seven. So uh, <laughs> I uh, bounced out of the, uh, had to re re reboot everything. And by then it wasn't really worth getting back into it. So um, yeah, just a bad luck. All right, moving on to the Indy road course. As I talked before, I was very late notice jumping into this race. I didn't think I was going to finish. Guess what? P8. I started P13. By the end of lap one, I was up to P7. I spun once by myself later in the race. I also had a guy dive bomb me and tag me. I was pretty mad about that because I he really dive bombed it. He eventually apologized, though. Uh, the race went way better than I expected. I mean, top 10, hell yeah. Looks like Kyle got P9, he started P19. He got up to P5, but shortly lost it to newer tires. Halfway, he lost all talent, <laughs> stated by him, and couldn't keep it on the track for about five laps. Finally got focused and worked his way up to P9. 2022, working on my road. All right, Tony Rochette, uh, 
He says, on protest this till we get to the oval track. So he didn't run. Yeah, I think he's taking the week off. Do you know if he's running any laps? Because in fact, I think we're finding it's not as bad as it used to be. I think once you learn the track, it's okay. I still want to go back to the oval. Um, we will next and year. And I think, I, think I think the big boys do too. Has that already been announced? I think we might get that announcement tomorrow, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, especially with the next-gen car and how, how fun it was at, at Pocono, I think um, we need to go back to the oval. Not to get too crazy here. Um, I was talking or reading something today, and it sounds like it only takes a couple hours to convert the road course to the oval. So I'm thinking they might do Indy Road Saturday, say keep the double header, and then the oval on Sunday for the cup cars. <laughs> do both. What about, what about the whole switching back and forth for practice and qualifying and all that, though? Might be tough. All right, yeah. Tyler ran. Uh, Tyler Williamson got P15. He says, started from the pits to play it safe. Really struggled as I was not able to be consistent with the car at all. I'd like to point out how far the off-track limits were at this track. You could actually clip the curb and run off track a little bit without actually getting a 1X compared to a track like Coda. So well done iRacing. I have to agree. I mean, Coda was just miserable because of the off-track limits. Uh, and here at this track, it's not even a problem. Um, I, I rarely got a, a 1X, and if I did, I was completely off track, and I probably should have got one. <laughs> yeah, and if it's been a while since this has come up. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. It's been a while since this has come up, but what, what you run into with all the off-track limits is in reality, the off-track rules are gonna change for the car. Even sports cars get more leeway than, than formula cars do. And then the stock cars get all the leeway in the world, right? Uh, you watch what they do at Watkins Glen. And the new Watkins Glen doesn't let the, doesn't let the stock car go out as far as, as the real guys do in turn one. Um, it, it's too bad they couldn't configure the off-track limits based on the car, but I just don't know if they can do that in iRacing's uh, environment. Yeah, 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 David, you're absolutely right. We talked earlier a lot about um, off-track and track limits earlier on regarding Spa, but you can't restrict a cup car to the same thing you're going to restrict a GT or a Formula car. So we're going to have to have, you know, some leeway. But what Tyler's saying here is you can ride that, uh, if he's saying the same spot, uh, that, that turtle, the, the, the uh, I can't think of the term, but the turtle on the backstretch you can actually clip that pretty good and then you can run wide on that back stretch almost to the grass i'm assuming to the grass if you want to go that far without getting any incident points yeah i was a little surprised by how wide you can run off into that uh, gray pavement uh, that's off track after that chicane uh, or those s's right there but yeah I, I was really happy with the off track stuff yeah but if you limit the stock cars to, to following through that um chicane and limiting them to not touching that gray out, that pavement out there, then it's not going to be fun. Uh, the race won't be fun. It's just going to slow it down and limit the passing opportunities potentially. All right. So I got a top 10 last night. So I said, what the hell? I'm going to run it again today. And I ran Thursday open and I got a P3, baby, a podium. I started P15. Uh, it looks like it was the bottom split. I was car number eight. Um, I got to eighth by about halfway um, through the first lap. So I went from 15th to eighth uh, pretty quick. 
then I worked my way gradually up to third. I was third before pit cycles uh, at halfway. After the pits uh, uh, finished, I eventually cycled back to third. Um, so great podium. Uh, I wonder what people are doing staying out uh, and doing a splash and go at the end. Like you, you have to stop for gas. Most people are stopping at halfway, but some of the people that were up front late in the race, they hadn't stopped and they waited till they ran out of gas. Um, fell back quite a bit. I just don't, I mean, what a horrible strategy. I don't get it. Yeah, not true. That's how you run a GT car. You run it till you run out of gas because it's lighter and you turn your fastest laps on the empty tank. And you're, if you're not going to change tires, you run it till you run out. If you're going to have to change tires, then you want to stop in the middle. It depends, depends. If the tires were wearing, stop in the middle. If you run just the one set of tires, stop at the end. Yeah, but when they stopped at the end, though, they came out, you know, the back half of the top 10. So it didn't work out well for them. But they were probably already that slow to begin with. It, it probably didn't matter. Yeah. Did you change tires for your pit stop? Oh, yeah. Yeah, halfway I pit, uh, I took tires and gas. And uh, I don't think you needed tires, um, but but yeah, why not if you're going to fill, fill it up? Well, that could be where you caught them. You had fresh tires halfway through, and they ran the almost entirety of the race on on old tires. Dad, I haven't turned any laps there, so I don't know if if the top split guys are, are using this set or not. I know that uh, all the other road courses we haven't had to with this new car. And I noticed tire wear, at least in the B car, was a little little rough. Wow, what a what a finish! P three. I can't believe it on a road course that. I didn't think I was even going to run this week. All right, official. Kyle had a P4. He said started P4 and stayed up front and just hung around the top five. Brought home a solid P4 in A open. Next, I ran some skippies at Sonoma. Started P4, quickly got to P2, then the leader checked out. I held off third and fourth until about halfway. Then he got beside me in the S's and I got hit and spun. Then another car just piled in. Uh, then I was seventh, but fought back to finish P6. Next race, started P12, finished P10. It was top split. Uh, more than half the field was above 6,000. I, I got ran over by one guy down to three wheels. I came in for a quick repair and came out 12th, got back to 10th. So that was Skippy's, and then I switched to the F2000 at Mid-Ohio. I started P6, got to P4, but some fast guy got me and fell to P5. Second race, started P5, was running P5, minding my own. Uh, came up on a lapper who was way slow. He was way offline. I stay in my line, and as I come by, he just comes right over into the groove suddenly and took me out. It really felt intentional, but who knows? All right, Donnie, you got B open, P5. Yeah, so I ran Indy Road last night, uh, started P6, ended up P, P5. The race was pretty uneventful for the most part. Um, it's a 28 lap race. We didn't stop for anything. I think our fuel range was 30 to 31 laps. On lap two, I was hitting the rear, um, the rear end on the back straight braking zone. I should have prepared better. I was utilizing a certain third-party app, which allowed me to see iRating and license class for the first time. That was distracting, by the way. Directly behind me was a driver highlighted in red. He booted me off the track. I was able to maintain somewhat control. 
uh, get back on the track. I caught him a couple laps later. Um, thought about punting him, but I thought, what is that going to prove? He's clearly slower. Was able to get around him. He ended up quitting, um, but just settled in, finished P5. Uh, other than that 4X I got from him, I think I dumped one tire and got a 1X somewhere. So kept the car clean for the most part, but P4 on up were, were pretty quick. Good. Let's go lead racing. everything. <laughs> a rookie, yeah, a rookie yeah. in my class was kind of odd. Then I remembered we're on a road and the license might be different, but uh, it was a little shocking to see a rookie in my race last night. Yeah, it's still, uh, I guess, it's, why would the, you said it's Indy Road and it actually was allowed in there? Yeah, yeah, it was a rookie, uh, like one, like uh, I think it was like a 237, the safety rating, but. That's yeah. weird. NIS is qualified on C-Class. You qualify though, because he's qualified for NIS and Oval. Yeah, this was the B car. Yeah. yeah, he's probably a B driver in Oval. That's his road rating. All right. Uh, fast track league racing, P15. I got as high as 11th, but I creamed the wall really hard out and faded after that. Uh, Joe Owen, he got wrecked out. And then David, P6, you say you pulled a real Mark Martin. Yeah, it should have been P4, maybe P3. Uh, I had a, I got up and had a hard battle with one guy who had nearly wrecked me a little bit before. And, and um, I did a really, I, I dive bombed him basically. It was either he was he was gonna get out of the way or he was, or it wasn't gonna turn out well for him. And I, I think he, he saw it coming and got out of the way. And so I just kept going. Um, and then I, Jeff raced me real good and hard and clean. And I got just by him, and I, for some reason, I thought the white flag was out. I get past him, I cross the line, I, I ease up. Two guys go by me, and then I'm like, well, shit, the race is still going. Whoops. He couldn't have taken it, like, it took him a little bit to figure out, but if he would have taken, like, another, like, say, two seconds longer, maybe I would have caught him and I gave me a position. Yeah, sorry, but you, you, I don't like you that much. Oh, <laughs> uh, that race is an interesting race. All right, so go ahead, Greg. How would you do? Uh, I finished. I think it was. What did you finish, David? You got seven, six. Well, I six, finished eight. Then. Right behind that me. That was two spots behind. Um, uh, I think there was two guys that went into fuel saving mode there. Sorry about the background noise. My uh, sims on. All right. Next is uh, hosted. I ran Chris McGuire hosted Saturday night. It was Supercars at Michigan. I started like in the back and got to 11th, uh, nice run. And uh, that's it. Kyle mentions in the script, uh, the IROC iRacing Challenge Series Season 4 is back in action August 4th at Auto Club in the B car. Okay, and now fi uh, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Uh, well, uh, it was really good to be back in the rig and back um, racing with you guys uh, this past Sunday night, even though it uh, turned out pretty pretty bad for me with that computer issue. It was still really cool to hang out with you guys and, you know, talk, talk and talk about stuff that's going on, um, joke around and all that kind of stuff which is really the kind of things that really make racing on a team and, and, and having teammates and, and uh, makes iRacing so cool is that, you know, we have these, these nights together, we get to hang out together and, uh, you know, from all different parts of the country and just enjoy, enjoy our hobby together. 
That's right. Holler. All right. Uh, David Hall, final thoughts. Yeah. Was it Wednesday or Friday that we had like 10 drivers on and you threw up that screenshot of it, Mike? Wednesday. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Get a couple things. Butt kickers, man, are priceless, I think, now. Mine snapped uh, off of my rig while I was running at Spa, and it's just a tiny, tiny little failure point on, on the screw that was holding it onto what I had it mounted on. Uh, I do have one replaced. I have replacement on the way, and I'm using zip ties right now that are holding it mostly in place and still getting most of the effects. But I tried running one Pocono race without it, and I was ridiculously lost because that was telling me I have it basically cranked up to the wazoo to tell me about tire slip. So it's really easy for me to know when I'm putting the car on, on the loose edge. It's one of the reasons I can run the car so loose. I couldn't, I, I kept spinning out because I just could not feel the car getting loose anymore without the butt kicker. So that, just that, that single butt kicker is a huge, huge big deal. Also found a bug. Um, and I want to, I want to hear from the listeners if anybody else has run into this. Uh, if you crash after, right after gridding, then get, you get back in and you miss the grid or you, you miss the start or it tells you, you're missing a set of tires. So I've, I've sent this in, but this happened to me at a Pocono race. I, I crashed and I, I loaded in right as they were taking, getting ready to take the green. It let me catch the field pretty quick, but I was missing a set of tires. Not only that, um, they had a quick caution and I got to catch up to the field, but when I went going, the tires were driving as if they were at like 50%. I could only turn like, I was two seconds off the pace with Brand with, at the very beginning of the race. Um, and then just had to suffer for, for it for 20 laps to win another caution, stayed on the lead lap, got fresh tires and drove all the way back up to third place. So there, there's some kind of bug here that happens if you crash at that exact spot. And I'm just curious if anybody else has experienced that. Bad way to start off a race. All right, uh, Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Yeah, to go back a couple weeks ago, talking about auto blip and auto clutch and all that stuff. Um, so I turned all my assists off, and it hasn't taken me long to get up to speed. I'm not all the way there yet, but a lot quicker on the road courses getting rid of the assist uh, right off the bat. And then my restarts last week in Pocono were, were uh, much better. feel pretty shameful for uh, getting rid of those. Uh, around the beginning of my time on, on the service. But um, so if anybody's thinking about it, just freaking practice, get rid of the assist. Um, it's not the end of the world. I was almost going to buy um, just a brake and accelerator pedal, uh, the sim coaches, but now I can't not have the clutch. Not have a clutch. Yeah. Don't do it without one. Uh, I got to say, you know, as far as that goes, you know, it it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, you want to have the clutch because just like you said, if you turn the assist off, you're trying to do something, you need the clutch. So I, I want to say that I was struggling with the F2000, maybe it was a Skippy, where I had the assist off and I went to down, I went, I was breaking into a corner and I need to downshift as well. And I need to burp that clutch to be able to downshift correctly. And so it's forcing me to, put my left foot on the clutch and use my right foot on the brake. And normally I'm a left foot breaker. So now I'm trying to train myself to do right foot braking so I can maneuver the clutch. And I'm really struggling with that. And so one workaround I found was 
I forgot I have a clutch on my new steering wheel. And so what I would do is I would, I would right foot brake into the corner and then blip the clutch on my steering wheel as I'm downshifting. And so I'm trying to train myself to do that uh, so I can keep the assist off. Do, do Am I have to train you how to drive? Uh, yeah, because you don't use the clutch to downshift. With your left, well, you Hang on. You don't have to. You, you don't have to use the clutch to downshift. You just you lift the throttle, not the clutch. Yeah, maybe that's my problem. Yeah. Well, what car is it? F two thousand. Yeah, that should be a sequential gearbox. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like if I if if uh, maybe uh, that's what I'm doing is I'm not lifting off the throttle enough where it will downshift, but I'm having to use the clutch to shift that thing down. Sometimes if I don't and I go ahead and hit the shifter, it won't shift, and so that's why I'm trying to facil facilitate the use of the clutch. I'll figure it out. Okay, let's keep moving. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Um, just about to race the uh, KCE Racing League. Um, it's at or uh, uh, Olton Park, which I've never raced at. I have it, but I don't think I've ever raced there. That's a good track. Uh, so it'll be fun. I'm only going to have like two laps of practice, and they'll be all in qualifying. So I'm pulling a U, Mike. You'll like that track. It's fun. Um, I think I know it from like Grand Turismo and stuff like that. But anyways, um, one thing that I've done this week, um, I've got my uh, wind simulator completely set up, which has been really nice um, addition to my rig. Uh, it was definitely, it's more interesting uh, in the road side I find right now um, because of the up and down speed. The, I didn't really notice a huge difference in the cup side on Monday night uh, when we raced at Pocono, the only time it would kind of slow down, obviously, was when we were under caution. You don't really get the slowdown effect um, that I thought you would get, but it's working really good on the roadside, and it's definitely keeping me cooler as I race as well. Yeah, and a shout-out to Kyle and Supreme 3D Printing, our new sponsor uh, for the rest of the season of the hardware section. Uh, that's where uh, Greg got his uh, wind sim. Yeah, he printed up the fan holders and then the, I don't know, would you call it a reducer cone that kind of directs the air out the one end. Um, and uh, he also 3D printed me two of my wheel mounts for my wall so that I can mount my wheels on my wall um, really easily uh, as well. So uh, definitely I'm thankful for Kyle doing that for me and uh, getting me uh, set up. I did also get my field markers that I will start using literally Monday when, when marching practice starts. This is a little basically printed stakes that we can mark spots with quickly as we're setting drill. Is that that special thing that you were getting Kyle to do? Yeah, it's it's just, it's a disc with a with a stake and pop, and then they can march over it until somebody has time to mark the spot in another different in another way. Okay, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, so surprised about Indy Road. I had no idea I had that in me a, a top three. Um, I'm not fast by any means, but I'm consistent and I can keep it on track. Uh, the other thing that blows me away at these road courses is. 
the people that can dive bomb in there and not wreck. I I feel like I'm breaking as deep as I can break when I break this car, and, and these guys are just going right on by me in the braking zone. Like I, I'm, I every time I'm like, how do they do it? You know, I have hydraulic brakes. I feel comfortable that I'm on the limit of those brakes, but somehow I, I'm not an alien, I guess, but I'm just blown away by some of the speed of these aliens. But uh, it was great to have a top three and a road course. Um, got some great points, and so we'll move on to the next week. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.